everyone. You are listening to Quarantine Days, a young woman's guide to life under and after lockdown. I'm your host, Verity Johnson, and this podcast is proudly powered by the YWCA. Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora. Welcome back, fam. I am sorry for the slight delay in episodes there. As what happens when recording in lockdown, sometimes serious life shit all gets in the way, and it isn't all banana bread and Netflix. However, we are back. In this episode, we are talking to the fantastic Alyssa Vernapula and Coco Jansen. Now, they took part in our 1818 gallery project on being an 18-year-old today in New Zealand, Aotearoa. And today we're going into the strange world, which we discussed a little bit in 1818, and today we're going deeper into, of the quarter-life crisis, which confusingly begins at about 18 and ends somewhere between 25 or 30. Hopefully. Fingers crossed, because we don't even know. Now, I'm guessing a few of you will probably have tuned in because you want to know who everyone else is struggling with their quarter-life crisis. But for the lucky few who are unacquainted with the concept, a quarter-life crisis is like a midlife crisis, except that we're too poor to afford Porsches and an affair with our secretary, so we buy inspirational wall out from Kmart instead. It's kind of this feeling that you're living with a constantly bubbling, mildly acidic panic in your guts that you don't know what you're doing with your life, but whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, rest assured, you haven't done it. And even if you did know what it was, everybody else is going to be doing it better than you. It's a period of sort of directionlessness, panic, exhaustion and confusion, which was typically found in your 40s, but has now moved to our 20s. And so today we're going to be examining exactly why this is and what that means if you've gone into lockdown and quarantine whilst also having this constant state of existential panic. Has it actually helped or hindered us in answering these questions? Or for a generation who need certainty more than ever at a time when it is impossible, has lockdown just made all of this a lot worse? Let's find out. Uh, Well, thank you, Coco and Alyssa, for coming in today. Thank you so much for being here on your Sunday when you could be slobbing around the house in your bed socks. Thanks for making it in. How are you feeling? Um, I am feeling tired, actually. Um, Lockdown and quarantine and all that has kind of messed with my sleep, as I'm sure it has for everybody else. And you find yourself having those weird dreams about work? Yeah, weird dreams about work and about what I'm doing and what I'm going to do with the next couple of weeks and things like that. And you, Alyssa, how are you? Are you hanging in there? I'm definitely hanging in there. I think it's easier now that we're at level two. Like I, I kind of, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to make plans with people. I'm ready to see people, but definitely very like I'm quite overwhelmed too, just like Coco, but like, uh, I don't really know what's going on. This isn't something that like my mum's been through before. Yeah. Like we're all going through the same thing at once. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, it's all like a jumble. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm, I'm hanging in there and I'm going along with it. (laughs) Well, what I wanted to get you guys on to talk about today was something which I think that we've all felt quite deeply. Um, and I have been kind of describing it to people as a quarter life crisis, but that kind of makes it sound like it starts at 25 when actually having done the 1818 project with you guys, I think it starts around 18, if I'm completely honest, and then stretches till 25. So you guys are almost at the start of this uh, thorny vortex of alien flesh eating pain, head warping, like Byzantine labyrinth of what it is to be a young woman right now. And I'm kind of at the other end of it. And when we were talking about this um, for the project, 
I think I would sum it up as this sort of constant state of exhaustion, confusion, and constant comparison, and this sense that you need to know what you're doing with your whole life and have absolute certainty, but you don't actually know what that is. So you know you need to succeed and be really, really successful in every part of your life, not just your academics, but your fitness and your friends and your love. And you should be like artistic and baking sourdough and all those things. But you don't actually know what that success looks like for you. So tell me first, is that something that you guys feel? Let's start with you, Alyssa. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Like I'm constantly feeling the need to compare myself. And then I think like sometimes a comparison can come when you don't like put into context where the person is from or like who they are. And then you're like, oh, they're just like me when really they're like richer or, you know, they're on a completely different path in life, had, had completely different support. And yeah, I think that comparing myself is like probably the number one thing on that list oh. that I'm like <laughs> very good at. <laughs> yes. I remember when I um, read the, do you guys, do you guys know Tavi Gevinson, the founder of Rookie Mag? She's like yeah, 21, I think it is. And she's massively Instagram famous, actor, model, publisher, wrote a book, launched Rookie Mag. And I compare myself to her all the time, failing to take into account, like you just said, that she comes from fabulously wealthy parents and has, you know, a background in the New York's basically glitterati. So yeah, probably not the best point of comparison for me in New Zealand. <laughs> I definitely compared myself to her a lot when I was younger. There was like this one video, I think on Teen Vogue, where she like does a apartment tour. And I remember thinking, oh my yes. gosh, we're so close in age. Why am I not? Why am I not like her? Like, why am I not in New York in my apartment? I know. Did you know that she actually got paid to live there? She did a huge thing about it. That was a sponsored content post for a um, real estate company. Wow. Yeah. That kind of, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that kind of sums up the giant hit. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that's wrong with influencer culture. <laughs> but Coco, all right, let me have it. Does that resonate with you too? It 100% does. I mean, definitely, like you said, on the 18x18 project, we, we definitely saw a lot of that, but from a lot of different perspectives. You know, like Alyssa was saying, it's not the same for everyone and everyone has different backgrounds. And I think that you're right. It definitely does start at 18. And I think for some people, even younger towards 16 and 17, that could be a bit of an extension, but, um, and it lasts a while, you know, I feel like there's this idea that I have to have a potential love interest or a boyfriend and I have to have a steady job with lots of friends that I go out drinking with or go to parties with and you know I have to know what I'm doing and I think I use the metaphor a lot in the 18x18 exhibition which was you know someone is pushing you to do a bungee jump but you haven't got your rope sorted and you don't know what you're jumping into and I think you're right with all of those words that you use to describe it Verity all of those words that I'm still trying to process um that puts it together so well. Yeah. I think that the overwhelming sense that I got from you guys and something which I definitely have felt over the last seven years since I was 18, that is a really (laughs) depressing statement, but, um, you laugh, you'll get old one day. (laughs) Um, what I, I definitely remember starting at 18, 
thinking that I had to be all of these things, but not knowing what those things were. And then when I got older, like 23, 24, 25, I realized I hadn't achieved any of these mysterious things anyway, because I never actually worked out what they were in the first place. I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to be successful and accomplished without ever realizing what that was. So what started out as confusion has hardened into disappointment and yet there hasn't been enough space in between to grow and understand what I actually want because I've been so obsessed with being successful. So what I was going to ask you guys is, do you actually know what success looks like for you as a young woman? No, that's a hard no. I really don't know. Um, I think like society would tell you it probably looks like having like lots of money and, you know, uh, or like a steady income and having a family. But I don't know. I think so... It's so like fleeting success. I don't know. I don't think it's constant. I think it happens in like small chunks and I don't really know what it looks like, but I don't think it's tangible. I don't think it actually really looks like anything, Mm. if that makes sense. There's not like a certain point which you get to and you're like, now I am successful. Yeah, because I think sometimes even what we would call the most successful people, sometimes, you know, they have like issues and like there's so many layers to success. It's so hard to think of what it looks like or what it may be. That makes sense. Yes, and that's utterly overwhelming. (laughs) What about you, Coco? Yeah, it's very hard to tell what success is, but I think that there is an idea that we should know what it is. There is that need to know and that sense that you have to have like a plan, you have to have a definition, you have to understand what it looks yeah, like basically and I think that you know as uh, like we mentioned influencer culture before there are so many young people that are you know in I guess a term successful with on YouTube and, and as influencers and things like that and you kind of look at it and you go wait we're the same age how are you doing all of that and I'm mm. still at uni or still doing this this is something I've been thinking about for a while and I would call it like the 30 under 30 complex but do you guys feel that you have to achieve young? Yes. I think especially when I think of like um, my career, I think of like how much more appreciated you are when you were younger, especially as a woman. Like yes. I don't know if either of you yeah. watched Taylor Swift's documentary, Miss Americana, but it's really good. Everyone should watch it. She says like, you know, in the industry, people like women who are successful young. And then once they hit about 30, they're like, Oh, we don't really want you anymore. Like you're kind of like, you're not really shiny and new anymore. So just, yeah, you just have to ride the high of your success when you were younger. And I totally see that. And like every, like everywhere I look, I'm like, people expect women to be successful young. And then you kind of are just expected to like ride that success until you die. (laughs) Yes. Like the (laughs) idea of peaking in your fifties, is not a concept that I've ever found applied to young women. Yeah, no, that's 100%. that's not a thing. You're not you. You can't do that, Verity. You have to be successful. <laughs> have to be successful now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Coco? I think that yeah. No, what you said, Alyssa, and you know we can see it in so many different aspects of this whole idea of being successful while you're young and shiny and new and pretty and you know you're the perfect person. And then, you know, when you get older, it's like, okay, cool, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want now. We're kind of done with that, um, which I think is, you know, complete rubbish because, you know, looking at my parents, I've done some of the coolest stuff in the world at 
you know, whatever age they are, I can never remember. Um, <laughs> I'm also told not to mention their age. <laughs> but, and I think you're right, you know, and it is definitely with, you know, like we see a lot of, and I think it's becoming a bigger conversation and a more prominent conversation about influencer culture. You know, like we said earlier, you know, people make $3 million off one TikTok, which I still don't understand the concept of. But, you know, and that whole idea of fame and success and people knowing you and, and money and all of that just piled together can become a very big pressure to be a young, successful person because that's when people want to pay attention to you. Yeah, it kind of feels like if you became successful at like 40, that's not as interesting as if you became successful as 20 as a woman. And I feel that kind yeah. of compounds into a massive pressure to achieve, you know, you know, achieve young. And that is for me a huge part of why I have quarter life crises because I'm like, I'm almost out of time. I'm 25. I've only got five years before I'm 30. What am I going to do? 100%. I mean, I'm having those feelings at, you know, the ripe old age of 18. And I'm thinking, oh my God, okay, cool. So I'm 18. What have I achieved? When in reality, just a little, you know, little reflection, I've achieved a whole lot, you know, yeah. overcoming mental health things and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Success is different for everyone. But there is there's this huge overarching idea of, you know, okay, I'm young, I'm pretty, I still have some sex appeal, I can still have, you know, decent scandals. Let's make some money now while people yes. still like me. Well, I can cash in, otherwise I'm a diminishing asset. Oh, uh, yeah, the whole, yeah. God, that's <laughs> utterly depressing. Um, any final thoughts on that, Alyssa? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as you, like when you're younger, you don't take up as much space as a woman, perhaps. And then as you get older, you like, people are like, oh, she's so loud and annoying. Like I'm thinking of like, Jane Fonda and her like climate activism I feel like she's constantly seen as this woman who takes up so much space when she's like doing a good thing but then like the men that join her don't nearly get as much press as her and then it's like oh it's because she's older and she's like fighting for what's right and then you know you're seen as like taking up too much space whereas if you become like successful at a younger age you're I don't know I don't know do I can't yeah. really explain it, but I hope you understand what I mean. It's like you're less of a threat, right? Like if you're successful yes. younger, you're not threatening anybody because you're just still young and cute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you get older, then you seem more threatening or as though you have more of a presence because suddenly you're not adorable anymore and people are paying attention being like, oh my God, she actually wants things to change. I might have to give something up. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and I think that the Jane, the Jane Fonda, you know, activism example is a fantastic one because, you know, now we look at her and we go, oh my God, you know, like I look at her and I go, that's really cool. But other people go, what are you doing? You know, you've had your time. Stop being so loud, you know, just go, go retire and, and drink wine at the beach, you know, which sounds really cool. But it's also like, no, you know, just because you're 45, 50, however old you are, does not mean that you don't still have a place. Yeah, there's no expiry date to success or there's no like, yeah, there, like I just think when Jane, I'm speaking about Jane Fonda now, when she was younger, you know, she was an activist and I don't, like I'm not, obviously I wasn't alive then, so I don't know how much press she got, but the amount of press that she's getting now is kind of like telling of like, oh, like, you know, the people, the media, society in general don't really want to hear from older women because, you know, they're not really exciting anymore. 
and that's why we get this insane pressure to be interesting and successful before we um, use up everyone's tolerance and patience for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and back you are spiraling into a vortex of existential doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Both of you just mentioned influencer culture quite like independently there. So what I was going to ask is obviously a lot of older people, whenever I've tried to explain the quarter life crisis to them, they have basically said, that's what typically happens when you're in your forties. You know, they don't understand why we're having this in our twenties. So why do you think that this is typically shifted from what you would normally consider a midlife crisis right up into our twenties? What do you reckon's changed between the generations? I'm just thinking of like social media and technology. You're constantly mm. feeling like you never know what you're supposed to be doing with your life. There's so many other people doing completely different things. Like Coco said, there's 16 year olds who are like making $3 million off like one TikTok. And I think there's also been like a big proliferation of choice, right? So for our parents, it was kind of a bit more as though you just chose a job, went to uni got the job, got married, had kids, settled down. It was quite a linear progression. Even the idea that you'd stay in the same job for 40 years wasn't that strange, but now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also I feel like now people put more of an emphasis, which is a good thing, put more of an emphasis on doing something that you love rather than something like just to get money, just to buy a house kind of thing. Mm. I don't know if that rings true for anyone else, but for me in particular, I'm like very focused on doing what I love, even if it doesn't give me a lot of money. This has become a talk about money. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like money makes a lot of the world go around. So it's probably a little bit inevitable. (laughs) Um, But like for my mom, it was definitely like, you know, go to uni, get a job to make money. But for me, it's like go to uni uh, and, you know, do whatever the heck I want. And then take your passion and then somehow monetize it, providing, of course, you can actually find your passion in the first place. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Coco, what do you think about that? Do you think we're struggling to find passions? Because I would absolutely agree that everything I've been told since, you know, 18 to now is you have to find what you love and you have to turn that into like a multi-million dollar career. 100%. I mean, and what we were saying about, you know, the idea of, of yeah, finding a passion and making money off it and how that's changed between generations. And I think that it definitely rings true about more so doing what you love um, than doing what is, you know, going to make you the most money for the year or that kind of thing. And um, I think, yeah, it is definitely very hard to find what you love. And there is a lot of pressure to find what you love because I don't know about anyone else, but I went through you know, 25 different hobbies as a kid, whether that was (laughs) building a doll's house to photography, to fashion design, to fucking gardening. Sorry. Gardening. 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 Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, I used to love gardening. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. And then you kind of get to this point where, you know, there's this idea of, okay, cool. So I'm 18 now and I have to go to uni, but uni's kind of really expensive. And I feel like I only have one shot because of how expensive it is. What if I'm doing the wrong thing? 
Yeah. And what if you've um, either chosen a passion that isn't going to make you a lot of money long-term um, as a history major, I can tell you that that was not going to make me a lot of money long-term. <laughs> Unless I, know, I know you're feeling the same way you're doing theater studies. So you feel me on yes. this. <laughs> yes. I feel you so hard. Uh. <laughs> and then there's a question of if you have that passion, what if it's the wrong passion and you don't actually want it enough? Because how are you supposed to know? I, this is the huge thing for me is how are you supposed to know now what the thing is that is going to sustain you for the next 80 or so years that you're alive? Because I don't, like you said, Coco, I don't even know. I have so many things that I like doing that I find it almost impossible to find one of them as a passion. 100%. And I think that, you know, I freaked out because I just you know, I've only done one semester of uni, but I remember the process of getting into uni and thinking, oh my God, what if this isn't the right degree? You know, what if I'm supposed to study music or something? And, you know, whereas in reality, I can't play any instruments and I have no (laughs) temperament to study instruments. (laughs) But there was definitely a, a big process of and a big kind of stress about, is this the right thing to do? And is this going to be a thing in 20 years that I want to keep doing? (laughs) <laughs> See, if I when I've told people this, invariably the response from like boomers, no no shade, mum and dad, um, has been, why are you worrying about this stuff in your twenties? Like why? And most of the older people I know have said to me that their twenties was a period where they just got drunk and fell out of clubs for ten years. If I said to you, mm. do you want to spend your twenties getting drunk and falling out of a club? But what would you say to that? Um, not really. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's fun occasionally, like, you know, to go out with the girls and stuff like that. But I honestly get such a nice sense of like gratification from like doing readings, which kind of makes me a nerd, but that's okay. Like I would much rather be doing something. This is no shade to anyone who does want to go out and like drink and go clubbing or whatever, but I would really much rather spend my time doing something like academically fulfilling or, you know, emotionally fulfilling rather than drinking, which is typically not as fulfilling as something like, I don't know, Something I, I, yeah, I'm trying to think mm. of something I enjoy doing more than clubbing and nothing's coming to mind, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> what about you, Coco? Um, so I have, okay, a bit of a confession. I've only been out clubbing twice in my entire life um, and I had the most wonderful time, but I think you're right, you know, I think like what Alyssa said, you know, going out with the girls and having a few too many drinks and dancing and, you know, all of that and falling out of clubs and all that is great. But I could not do that every day of the week. The thing is now is this idea of your twenties has become, you know, this, okay, cool. So, you know, yeah, you get drunk and like when you're 21 and shit, but then you're supposed to move on and you're supposed to, you know, get ready for a life of whatever you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're supposed to have that certainty. You're supposed to make a plan and then follow it, right? Definitely. And I think that, and I, yeah, it definitely has moved. Like you said, that a lot of older generations are going, why are you having this crisis now? Where I think that maybe we just think about it more. Maybe we're more aware of these things and something to do with societal change and that sort of thing. But we definitely do think about this stuff earlier on. Um, and 
I think that there's an also an additional thing as being a woman, you know, you go, am I going to have kids? I mean, I'm 18 and I'm questioning whether I'm going to have kids. I don't need to question <laughs> whether I'm going to have kids, but I feel like I should know. Yeah. It should be part of the 10 year plan, right? Right. I'm thinking, okay, cool. So I probably want to, you know, am I going to get married? Do I want to get married? You know, um, is marriage just a consumer thing now? And then, you know, am I going to have kids? When am I going to have kids? How am I going to balance a career and kids? And I think that, you know, not to put one against the other, but I think that there are some extra things that go into thinking about it when you're a young woman because of all of those questions about, you know, um, parenting and kids and that question of, you know, balancing your career and all of that. One of the things you said to me during the 1818 project was that you felt there wasn't enough space to figure out these questions. Like you had big questions about life, but you didn't have time to figure them out. And now that obviously we're all in lockdown and one thing we have a lot of is time. So what I was going to ask is has the last six weeks impacted on the way that you think about these questions. Are you less stressed? Are you more stressed? Have you found clarity or are you now freaking out that clarity is nowhere near possible? I think that COVID um, has definitely provided a very strange set of circumstances and, you know, the media's favourite word to describe it is unprecedented. (laughs) Um, And it's weird because, I mean, as a incredibly anxious person uh I have a very strong need for control uh as you know I guess it's a human need but when you're when you're an anxious person it kind of you know is twofold um and you know like like I was telling you guys earlier I was supposed to travel this year and then I lost all the control over that planning and then I kind of felt like I have no control over what's going on and I've definitely been you know far more stressed than I've ever been and I feel like that hasn't given me that time you know I I remember talking about that with you Verity about that time to work on those big questions Mm. but now I'm kind of questioning what's the world going to look like in in two months time you know am I am I going to be able to travel am I not going to be able to travel can I go see you know can I go see the girls what what does it look like so I don't feel like I do have the chance to think about those big questions what about you, Alyssa? Would you do you think you've had the time? Um, to be honest, I feel like the days go by really fast. I know, and, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to do like uni work so often, like in between my two walks a day and trying to do assignments, <laughs> I don't really get time to like sit with myself and be like, what do you want from this? There was lots of like kind of um, memes and like those word posts going around that were like, see how unimportant the arts are or like, you know, things like things yes. like that, like where they were like, the, like, um, actors are not as important as medical workers. And then I'm just kind of sitting there like halfway through my drama degree, like, okay, <laughs> like, okay, go on, <laughs> you know? So I kind of, It was things like that that really kind of really bothered me. But apart from that, I'm kind of just like, there's nothing I can do. And I, as much as I crave control, like I, there's nothing I can do. I can't make plans for something like Coco said in two months time, because I don't know what the world's going to look like. Mm. And so 
as someone who's like a meticulous planner, it's definitely been difficult in that sense. And also like job and security and things like that. Like there's like lots going on, but I'm trying to just like not let it consume me too much. Yeah. I mean, after all, we are apparently the new face of unemployment, young female unemployed because they're cutting all the hospital workers and we make up the majority of hospital labor. Woohoo. Um, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. Um, <laughs> but so from what I can hear is that you, had, you actually, neither of you have actually had that time to think about things more deeply and you're still in the space where you don't know what the future is going to look like. Um, has it made you question like Alyssa, you were saying you're doing a drama degree and then suddenly the idea that theatres might not open for another year. What, what effect has that had on your plans for the future? Well, so in terms of like immediate plans, I really wanted to go see Frozen in Sydney at the end of the year. <laughs> but that's <laughs> not happening. <laughs> and then like next year, I wanted to go to another thing in Melbourne and I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen, but whatever. Um, well, in terms of acting, I was supposed to be in my drama production, which was happening next sem, which I don't think is happening anymore, which is fine. But it's like things like that, that are like, you know, you really look forward to as someone who like the things you're passionate about and you're constantly looking forward to. And then suddenly you don't have them anymore. And you're kind of like, Oh, that's yeah. a bit weird. You know, your, your life's suddenly a little less uh, exciting. Yeah. So, but I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just constantly like, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think that, like you said, Alyssa, I don't know what's going on and it has definitely been a big learning curve and it's been a lot of learning about, I guess in a weird way, like grief, you know, like I was, I've been planning Europe for, you know, two or three years now with one of my best mates. And then to have to let go of all of that because we don't know what's happening um, definitely taught me a lot about that process and about how, you know, my mental health is affected by that. And I think with all of that going on, and I think that combined with the uncertainty of the world, plus this kind of, those are some really big questions and this is kind of a really stressful time. And I just really want to have a nap because my brain is overwhelmed has meant that I just haven't done any of those questions. Yeah. It's like almost as soon as you get the chance to actually stop and think about it, you have to think about all these other things about how the world might end. And therefore there is no time for personal reflection in that. Yeah. It's one thing. Sorry, Coco. I'm just fully talking over you. It's okay. Go, go. It's never just like one thing that you're thinking about. Like it's like, Oh crap, my degree. Oh, but also my job. Oh, but also this other thing like, Oh, but also like the world's ending and it kind of, you know, like it's very overwhelming. Like I feel like there's constantly more to it than just one thing if that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously you guys are the first generation to grow up with the very real threat of climate change. So you went from the world ending due to climate change to now the world is ending due to COVID. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see like how much the world I'm talking about, like the environment was healing when we all went into lockdown and then straight away humans like came back and were like, I'm just going to dump all my rubbish in the park. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. And it is, it's, yeah, we definitely went from that. Oh my God, climate change, the world is ending. Why is nobody doing anything to, Oh my God, COVID. 
how the fuck are we supposed to deal with this? What, 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 what is this? How do we deal with this? This is unprecedented. Um, Media buzzword. And it, you know, buzzword. (laughs) (laughs) And we went from, you know, all of that. And then just thinking about all of that, you know, you start one question of, okay, cool. So, I'm doing a communications degree that could lead me to six different things, but oh my God, what if one of those things isn't the right thing for me? And I mean, I don't know what the world's going to look like in five years and just, you know, it just leads into a big spiral and then I just sleep (laughs) 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 because my body just shuts down. Well, that's what I was going to ask as well is like, I think that the effects of having this sort of constant mental vortex that you can just slip into are actually quite profound. But I know that a lot of people don't really acknowledge the effect that it has on your sort of day-to-day existence. So describe for me how that feels like that, that cycle. It feels like so much energy just being like sucked from you and you're not doing anything. Like I find I just get so tired that I sleep forever and then I wake up and I'm still tired. And then I'm like, I'll watch, I don't know, breakfast. And then there's like something about how the economy and how we're entering the great depression. And then I spend the rest of the day in my classes, like thinking about this great depression we're about to enter into. So yeah, <laughs> And then it just continues from there. Definitely. Uh, I think that I have always, as my mother can attest to, complained about being tired. Um, And I think that, you know, as we saw in 18x18, mental health issues on every different level from every different stream and background and that kind of thing are quite prominent. And, you know, like we were just looking at young women, but we know from studies and things like that and, you know, friends that it is in young men as well. And it's a very prominent issue. And I think that coupled with the and it's probably a cause of it, this, you know, this question of um, finding your passion and what you're going to do. And then, you know, thinking about, I don't actually understand the economy and, and what that means. Do I need to know about that? And then, you know, I'm about to move out. And then I've, you know, started to think about, oh my God, bills and rent and how does insurance work and all of these other things. And it's so exhausting. And like Alyssa said, you know, you you just sleep and then you wake up and then you're still tired because you didn't really heal from every, from anything. And then it's just, it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, um, the hamster wheel, the mental hamster wheel. <laughs> yes, Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Obviously, a lot of the response to that whenever we try and articulate these feelings is just be more resilient. What would you say to people who tell you that? Be more resilient. I think that um, it's very easy to say something like that because, you know, like we've spoken about through this chat about different generations and the different things that they've gone through. Um, And for some people talking about mental health and struggles like that freaks them out and they just go, you know what? No, fuck Mm. up, bro. Let's, let's just keep going. Um, Or in more, you know, eloquent words. Um, And yeah, and I think it's very easy to just have that quick, sharp response because either they don't understand it because it's a totally different generation. You know, we can't blame them because they weren't at the face of, you know, climate change and the world ending and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And, and we're facing a whole lot of different issues that they didn't face. And I think that there's also the generational issue of, you know, that mental health is, is very slowly but surely, you know, coming to the light of conversations. And we haven't had a lot of time to focus and prep all of our advice for people. And then there's the other aspect of, I don't know how to deal with this, so I'm just going to tell you to, you know, be resilient, yep. just keep moving, go have another coffee, you know, go for a walk. And that's kind of like you shut it down by just being like, 
get over it. It's fine. I don't know. I, I just think we're already really resilient and we already like sometimes just existing is a nice way to be resilient. I think it's just perpetuating very bad ideas around mental health and like combating mental illness when people are like, Oh, just be more resilient. It's like actually just getting out of bed today was like the best thing I did. Absolutely. Yeah. I even think back to five years ago when I still had mental health issues or when they kind of started and like, I wish I had someone not like someone be like, Oh, just, you know, just smile more. Like I just wish that someone had been like, no, actually you're doing really well. Like, you know, getting on the bus to go to school, that's a big thing that takes a lot of energy and you're doing okay. Yeah. And I, I I think that one of the most calming things I've found is when like older women will say to me, um, you're actually doing a lot. Like even the tiny things that you do on a day to day basis, they take a huge amount of energy and they are supposed to feel tired at the end of them. So don't downplay that. I think that, um, you're right. What you said Verity, about, you know, about having that person in your life, particularly someone who's older, like I've always, you know, I've been really lucky with my mum, who's always been like that for me. You know, I've, I've struggled with anxiety and, and all of those sorts of issues that come with it and depression. And she's always said, you know, getting up in the morning is sometimes a really big feat, you know, and putting on clothes and getting out to work, you know, is, is a big thing. Um, and even though, you know, people might say that I'm just a waitress, you know, it's a, it's a big job and doing that takes a lot of effort and it's a big thing to do. And especially in these times, doing anything should be a huge, you know, congratulations to us all because yeah, big God's say, you know, go us. We've done so well. We got out of bed today and you did put on some real clothes, sort of. Um, but I think that it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a real thing. Like you said, Alyssa, there's definitely some hustle complexes and some people, you know, some people work really well with that. Some people need that tough love that says, actually, no, I'm just going to keep going and I'll deal with that later. And that works sometimes. But on the other hand, you definitely do need to say to yourself, I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Whatever, you know, society deems a lot of stuff to be, I'm doing a lot of stuff in my world. Absolutely. That's so true. Well said. And on that note, we have come to the end for today's podcast. So thank you for that. I don't know if we actually managed to solve anything, but I think we had a good chat. Definitely. I don't know about solutions, but we definitely had some good yarns. (laughs) Yeah, we had a good talk and that's all that matters. Thanks for tuning in on this week's episode of Quarantine Days. I've been your host, Verity Johnson, and if you've enjoyed this corridor, then make sure you follow us on Spotify. This podcast was proudly powered by the YWCA.